But Ephesians chapter number 6, look down at verse number 5. Of course, you're in my Bible, you've got to look up for verse number 5. It's at the top of the page. It says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master, notice the capital M there, is also in heaven. Neither is there any respect of persons with him. We all have the same master tonight. Right? There is only one true master, that is God tonight, but we'll get into that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this evening. Lord, thank you for the wonderful news, uh, God, that we found out today. Lord, we pray for uh, Miss Caitlin and Brother Jacob and that precious life that is within the womb. Lord, I'm so glad tonight, Lord, that you're a God who cares. Lord, we're living in a world, God, that doesn't want to name a child in the womb a child. Lord, it's, they're called a clump of tissues, just a mass of cells. God, you said, I knew thee before I formed thee in the belly. Lord, I'm thankful tonight, Lord, that every child, every uh, child that is in the womb is a very creation of God. And I pray, Lord, tonight, God, you just put a heads around Miss Caitlin in the womb. I pray, Lord, that baby would grow up to be healthy. And I pray, Lord, that you would use that situation and, Lord, that blessing, God, for a testimony of Brother Jacob and Miss Caitlin. We ask you, Lord, tonight as we get into the word of God, would you help us, Lord, just to glean some simple truths tonight to take home with us, to apply in our lives, and let it, let it let help us to live the Christian life. Thank you for saving Bryson this morning. Lord, thank you, Lord, to go to a church, God, where you still work and you still move. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Brother Kurt, did you get that on camera? Okay, I was about to say, we was going to stage it. <laughs> Remake it, Amen. Now, tonight I'm going to teach on the subject, preach on the subject this evening that literally just got a man fired. I was reading about it in the news. He was a basketball coach at, I think, Texas Tech. And they just fired him this week because he pulled one of his players to the side and had this same conversation with him and went to this same portion of Scripture to try to teach a truth to him that applies in, 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 in life, really, and what he was trying to say, no matter where you go, no matter uh, where you are in life, at some point in our life, we're going to experience this kind of relationship. What kind of relationship? It's a servant-master relationship and he had that conversation with his one of his players who who was wanting to play but not practice and not and not wanting to get along with the program and so he, he kind of pulled him to the side and he said listen son if you don't learn how to obey if you don't learn how to understand the principles of, of obedience in this how how there's always going to be somebody in charge there's always got to be somebody who's following he said you're not going to go anywhere in life son and they fired him for it right they fired him for truth and I felt bad, you know, I, I, man, I'm pretty sure he enjoys coaching and all that wonderful stuff. But then I, I, right before I came into church tonight, I found another headline, same situation, the same, the, the same, what we just talked about. And now the college has to pay him $4.1 million. Right? He told the truth and God said, boom shakalaka, right? <laughs> $4.1 million. And so, my, man, that's a blessing, isn't it? Amen, stand for truth. And all of a sudden, the devil's got to pay you $4.1 million. And uh, 
But here's the thing, right? He, he, what he said was true. And, and the reason why it blew up, the reason why he actually lost his job is not just because he quoted this portion of the Bible, not because he had the conversation with his, his player and singled him out, but the media said and the, our, our culture said, how dare a, black, uh, a basketball coach pull a black player to the side and, and accuse him or, or try to put him back into slavery? Right? That's not what the coach was doing. And at the same time, there's a lot of people who, who will pull verses out of here like Ephesians or go back to the Old Testament, right? And they'll say, how can you serve a God who supports slavery? How can you support a God who is okay with slavery? But when you read this in its context and what you understand, you realize that our God's never been for slavery, right? He's, he's, it wasn't his institution. It wasn't his desire and we can't look back at our history and say, well, slavery was a good thing, right? It was the right thing. I would never state and say that. But yet there's, there, there's the reality is that it does take place. It is, uh, and we act like we've, we've, uh, we've uh, what's that word, abolished it, but it's still going on today. It's still, it may not be going on in a, in a legal sense in America, but did you know that the, one of the number one money-making businesses around the world, we like to think it's drugs, we like to think it's uh, you know, illegal weapons, the number one uh, illegal trade in the world is sex trade. Sex slavery, right? Forced into those, those uh, predicaments. And so we haven't abolished it, right? It, it's still present. But we're, what we're going to see here tonight, and, and God's not for that. God's not sitting in heaven saying, hey, man, that's a good thing, right? He knows it's not. But yet, you go down here and you go down, but rather he's talking about a servant-master relationship, right? And that is a true statement. And, and we don't think about it in, in the terms of slavery. We think about it in the terms of an employer and employee, right? Of somebody who is, you're serving somebody else. But literally there in, in Ephesus, right, he is talking to, Paul's talking to, to, to both free and men and women who were bonded to people, right? They're paying off a debt. They are, they are indebted to somebody. Now they are someone's bond servant. And here's what he says in verse uh, number eight. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth the same, he shall receive the Lord, whether he's bond or free. I'm glad tonight that we serve a God who is not confined by the regulations of a government. But rather, he said, listen, it doesn't matter the position that you're in and the place that you're in. I think a lot of times in our American church and our, our American Christianity, right, we neglect the fact of how good we actually have it here. Right, I just got done reading a book and it deals with persecuted faith in places like Somalia and, 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 and China and Russia and the USSR. And, and we sit back and, and, and I read those stories and I said, man, I don't know nothing about that. I don't experience that. We, we go to a church and, and, and we come freely and we have all these nights. I don't know what it's like to meet in a house in secret, have to take 17 different steps just to get into a, a room to, to fellowship with 15 other people and, and then go about it not hoping that we don't get caught. Matter of fact, I read a book, I was reading that book, and in China, right, we, we think about in America, right, if someone's truly going to serve God, they need to go to Bible college, they need, to, they need to get an education. In China, you know what they view Bible college as? Prison. What do you mean by that, preacher? They say in, China, in the Chinese church movement, the home church movement, underground church movement, they, they don't send them to Bible college, but rather it is when you go to prison for your faith. That's their seminary, right? And they'll say this, you don't really know uh, how, how, how strong a believer is until they go to prison. 
And so young men grow up saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And they say, well, we'll wait until you go to prison. And we'll see how you come out after that. Right, that's, that's not how we operate in America, is it? And yet we'll see here tonight that we're going to look at this thought of, of, of being a servant and, 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 or being a master. And here's the thing tonight, we, we say, well, the, do the rules apply to one and not to the other? No, Paul clears it up. The same rules given to the servant in verse number five and six and seven, verse number eight. Then he goes down to verse nine, and your masters do the same things unto them. Right, and so you say, well, preacher, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm my own boss. I, I, I'm the one in charge here. Well, you carry the same weight that the servant does. That's one of the things in the Christian life, right? We, we've got to remind ourselves, we talked about it this morning, the Christian life is not about amassing power and amassing authority and, and being in an elevated position, but rather it's learning how to serve. It's learning how to serve. If Christ himself came and served his disciples, what excuse do we have not to serve people? He's the very God of heaven. Right for all the eternity, they've cried, holy, holy, holy around the throne. And yet we find him in the gospels putting a towel on and going and washing his feet of his disciples. <laughs> Man, that's, that's humility, amen? Because those guys didn't have tennis shoes and boots and nice socks and, and orthopedic soles. Them guys had sandals and dirt and grime and all that nasty stuff. And there's the very God of heaven washing their feet. And so he showed that to us, but how do we have this, the right relation between a servant and a master, an employee and a boss, or an employee and, a, and, a, and a, an employer? Tonight? What, how, do we, how do we have that relationship right? Whether we're the employee or the employer, whether we're the server or the boss, how, what does that look like? Or we're the person under the authority or the person with the authority? Right? How, do we have, how do we manage this relationship? And I'll give you three expectations. You've got to have the right expectations. I got to have the right expectations. Last night we celebrated my, my father-in-law's birthday and my mother-in-law went out and bought a cake for him and Miss Raylan had been building this thing up. She said, y'all got it's, it's white cake with cream cheese frosting. It looks so good. And when they pulled it out, it looked great, right? It looked, I mean, it looked like a good looking cake. We all took a bite of it. We're all like, it's different. <laughs> it's, got a, it's got a peculiar taste to it. Right, my, my one niece said, it tastes like food dye. And then she looked at me, she said, I do know what it tastes like. I said, okay. She said, you look like he's about to ask me, how do I know what that tastes like? But, right, so our, but here's the thing, if our expectations hadn't been set so high, we probably wouldn't have expected so much of it. Right, we would have looked at it and said, you know, it's just like any other cake. And so the, tonight when we look at this, how do we, how do we manage this relationship? How do we have a biblical servant-master relationship? Tonight, you've got to have the right expectations. Notice, number one, there's the expectation of obedience. Look at verse number five. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ only if they're good bosses. <laughs> Let me ask you tonight, how many of y'all really love your boss? <laughs> right? If you do, how, I mean, but you, you really love, <laughs> how, maybe you don't worry, how many of you loved your boss? I mean, you just got and you said, well, I can't wait to see them. Right, there were some days I, 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 I dealt with my boss. I was cordial to him. And there were some days I didn't want to see him. Right, he shows up here and he starts talking. I might just have to put him in his place. Right, we've all been there. And oftentimes, right, we, when we talk about do you love your boss, we go to like the phileo. Like, I love him like a brother. Or, or in that sense, we go to that physical love. Like I, want to go, I don't think there's ever been a time in my life that it didn't matter who I was working for that I looked at him and said, boy, I can't wait to give them a hug. <laughs> Right. Matter of fact, one of the last times I went back to the cabinet shop, one of my project managers, 
uh, came up to me and he, he said, Tate, how's the church going? I said, man, it's going good. And then he just reached out and gave me a hug. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> just patted him on his back. I said, that was out of character. You all right? He said, yeah, I was just glad to see you. Are you coming back? I said, no, <laughs> not yet. I'm not coming back yet. And uh, it just got, and it just tickled me, right? Because there's never been a time when I was working, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to give Jay a hug because he really needs it. <laughs> I didn't think that way. But rather, when you think about do you love your boss, do you love him like Christ loves him? Right, that agape love, that sacrificial love. And so notice from one, if that's going to be the case, there's going to be an expectation of obedience. Verse number five, servant, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Right, these are not your spiritual authorities. These are not your, uh, your, your mother and your father in that sense, but rather it is somebody who is, who's, whether it's a job or a position, they are now over you, a teacher or things like that. They're, they're, they are your authority figure in your life, right? And you are to, there, there's an expectation of obedience, right? Of, of doing what they say as long, once again, the same, the same caveat that I gave to children, right? You are to obey your parents in the Lord, right? Those things that are according to the scriptures, the word of God, those things that are right, right? You, 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 if it's something wrong, if it's something that is wicked, if it's something that you know is not right, you have all authority to say no, right? Your boss comes to you and says, hey, listen, I need you to, I need you to change a few numbers so we don't get in trouble with the IRS. You have the right to say no, right? It's not the honest thing to do. I need you to lie and, and all these different kind of things. You have the right to say no, but when it comes to what has been asked of you, right? And I remember working there and, and, and not just in the cabinet shop, but at Sonic and different places like that. And, and people would always grumble and complain with how much money they, that they didn't make. Right, oh, they don't pay me enough. They don't pay me this. I need a raise. I need that. And when they come to me with that, they didn't always like my response. Because I said, then why'd you write your name on the dotted line? You signed the contract so that you'd work for that amount of money. Well, you know, I was thinking this and I was thinking that. I thought they would give me a raise by now and all that kind of stuff. I said, well, they never guaranteed that to you. Right, you said, I'll work for this amount of money. So, but there's this expectation of obedience, right? And it's not just doing what you're told, but notice how it's, it's, it's how you do what you're told. Because he goes on to verse number five, with fear and trembling. In fear and trembling, that's not in the sense of, oh man, I've got to do this or I'm gonna lose my job, right? Or I'm so scared of them, I'm cowering in fear from them. And I'm trembling at their presence. My knees are knocking together, I'm I'm King Nebuchadnezzaring it right now, right? Where his knees begin to knock together. Or that was King Darius, I think. One, some of them. One of those kings in Daniel, amen. Might have been Belshazzar. There it is. But in essence, uh, it's not that I'm afraid of them, but rather it's that, re that, that, re that reverence, that respect because of their position in your life, right? You're not doing it just because you have to. You're doing it because this is how I show respect to you. I'm obeying your command. And you, oftentimes you work, and how many of you work with somebody who got a raise, uh, not because they earned it, but because the boss felt sorry for them, right? And, you know, something happened in their life, and they were, had a terrible work ethic, and they had a terrible uh, 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 attendance to work, and somehow they got a raise. And I remember working in the cabinet shop, and me and a guy got this, a raise at the same time. He got a raise because they felt sorry for him. That's what they, we feel sorry for you, so we're going to give you a raise. And I got a raise because I came to work on time, and I worked hard. Right, and they, you know, they say, so you always come in, you always do that, because really, I'm not working for you, right? But rather, through my life and through my obedience to what you've asked me to do, right? You, you haven't asked me to do anything sinful, you haven't asked me to do anything wrong, and therefore, I don't have an excuse not to do it, right? Because I'm to, I'm to obey you with, with fear and respectful. Then he also goes, singleness of heart, verse number five. 
He said, not just in fear and trembling, but in singleness of heart as unto Christ. Right? In essence, it's just like none of my, none of my bosses were Jesus. But I'm to obey them in the same sense that I would obey the Lord. And, and here's the thing. The Lord never asked me to do anything wrong. He's never asked me to do anything out of the way. Right? And when my bosses come to me and they, and they, give, me, they give you chores or they give you jobs, right? you're thinking, man, that's, that's below me. Right? I, I remember being uh, the low man on the totem pole. And, and, and talking to people who were, you know, way up higher than me and who had been there for years, right? And the boss would come and tell them things and say, hey, I need you to do this. And they say, no, that's, that's below my pay grade. I don't do that. And they came to me. They said, hey, do you mind cleaning the bathrooms after work? Now, you say, well, preacher, that's not, no, that's not that bad. You've never been to the bathrooms at Augusta Sassendor. <laughs> Nothing but men work in that area. Right, it's terrible, it's disgusting. And they came to me, they said, hey, do you mind cleaning the bathrooms after work? I said, are y'all gonna pay me to do it? And they said, oh yeah, 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 you can stay on the clock and do it. We're not asking you to volunteer and do it. I said, yeah, that's, that's no problem, I'll, I'll do that. And they, they just looked at me like, you're really gonna do that? You're fine with doing that? I said, well, you're gonna pay me. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm excited to do it. And I'm looking forward to it, but I'll do it. Right? And there's that, that the ex- expectation of obedience, right? And, and you think about it this way, right? If you were in charge, wouldn't you want obedient servants or obedient workers in that sense? Somebody who, would, who understands that, that you know, you're trying to get the job done, you're, you're trying to accomplish a task, and they need you to be obedient. And so the same thing is true in our life. If that's the kind of boss or that's the kind of servants we would want in our life for people working for us, then that's what we need to be, right? You're not, you don't have any right to expect anything out of somebody else that you don't expect out of your own self. So we see that there's this expectation of obedience. It is to be out of fear and in a singleness of heart, a pure motive, right? You know, imagine if your work, how your work ethic would change or your mentality would change if you go into work and say, you know what, I ain't working for the boss no more. I ain't working for the man. I'm working for the man, right? He's my savior. And I, through my work ethic, I want to represent. Now, listen, here's the thing. I, I'm not 100% for lifestyle evangelism, right? I don't think just because you smile, somebody can see Jesus in you, right? We are called, we talked about it Sunday mornings, we are called to preach the gospel, right? We are called to have a vocal voice of sharing the word. How shall they hear without a preacher, right? And so, you know, it's not how shall they hear without seeing somebody who smiled all the time. There's nothing wrong with that, but at the same point, if we're gonna preach the gospel, right, then we ought to have a lifestyle that matches up to it. Right, I think Paul said it this way. He said, "If we those who preach the gospel ought to live the gospel." That's not a, probably a verbatim, but that's the the extent of what Paul said somewhere in the New Testament. That that you know, if we're to preach the gospel, then we ought to live the gospel. And one of those ways is for you and I to be obedient servants in that authority position in our life. Right, and we often look at the job, but it's in other areas of life as well. Right, uh, that where you have somebody over you who's in charge of you. Or they are, they are, they are, they are have the authority over you. Then you are to be obedient, right? And you're to listen to them, be respectful to them. So there's the expectation of obedience. Then notice number two, there's an expectation of genuineness. Look at verse number six tonight. So not with eye service, right, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Let me ask you tonight, when the boss turns his back or the boss goes back into their office or, or that person in your life who has that authority, there's that saying, when the, when the cat is gone, the mice will play. Right, let me ask, does your boss have to be watching you, so you only for you to work? Right, and so, Silas said, nope. 
He said, I work all the time. Good job, Silas. Keep it up, bud. Good job. The expectation of genuineness. But it's not for applause. He said, not for eye service. You ever, you ever been around them people who don't do nothing until the boss shows up? All right, they sit around and they just they, they play on their phone and or you know, that's that's a that's a modern day problem, right? They don't they 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 hide out or different things, and all of a sudden the boss comes in and they are t top total best employee they've ever seen. Till the boss turns their back. <laughs> I remember we were in the cabinet shop and, and we had just come in from break and I was cutting up with some of the guys walking back to my station and I said, y'all know you guys know I could juggle? And they said, no, we didn't know that you can juggle. And I was like, yeah, I can juggle. They said, you speak. I was like, no, I just, I, one day in third grade, we couldn't go outside for recess, so they turned on a video on how to juggle, and ever since then, I learned how to do it. And so I can juggle, and they said, no, you can't. And so I, I found me four, three blocks of wood, and I started juggling them. And they're all like, whoa, that's cool. I'm, I'm mid-juggle, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting with it, man. And about that time, the boss walks in. <laughs> and he said, Tate, that's impressive, but get back to work, please. <laughs> just... I can juggle. <laughs> I should have put that on my resume. That way he wouldn't be shot when you walked out to see that. Right? The expectation of genuineness, right? And he goes on to say right there in verse number six, not with eye service, right? But that, that's, I mean, that's not how I normally operate. It was just a, I said, of all the times for the boss to come walking in, I'm out here juggling on my way in from break, right? But you, you, they shouldn't have to keep their eye on you, right? In essence, they should know because, well, that man claims he goes to church. That lady says she's a Christian. That, 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 that person believes, says they believe the word of God. And yet every time I find them, every time I, I turn my back and quickly turn around, I see they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right there, they are trying to impress me, but only when I'm looking at them. I remember playing soccer in high school. We used to have to run perimeters around the, 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 the school property as, as practice started. We'd run you know, anywhere between five to 10 miles and then we'd go practice. Right, and, and I know looking at me now, there ain't no way preacher used to do that. I used to do it barely, but I used to do it. And, uh, but I remember one time we'd come behind the, the backside of the school, and, and that was where the, the coach couldn't see us, right? It was behind the stadium, and his, his, his classroom was on the other side of the stadium, and, and he couldn't see us there. And so, man, I would run. I'd run where the places he could see me. And I, I came across that, that back part of the stadium, and I was tired. I was lap number three around the school. Not, not the school, but the school's property. And I was Latin, I was tired, I got behind the stadium, you know, I did what every, every tired person does, I put my hands on my hips and I started walking. And out of the woods, I hear the most sinister laugh I've ever heard. My soccer coach was from Jamaica, and all you hear is, hey, 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 hey. Mr. Tatum, why are you not running? <laughs> out of fear, I just started running. I don't know who it was. <laughs> and we got... And we got, back to the, we got back to our practice field, and he said, listen, if you can't play 100% all the time, whether I'm watching or not, you need a checkup. You need to get right. And that's the same thing in the Christian life, right? We ought to serve, and we ought to be, be good employees, not because we want to impress the boss, because that's who God called us to be. The greatest employee on any job site ought to be the Christian. See, we live in a generation where that testimony has been so tarnished. Some, some people don't want to hire Christians who could proclaim that because of the testimony of others. Well, you can't fix that, but you can be what is right, amen? And you, you can be who God called you to be and be what, what God expects out of us. There's the expectation of genuineness, not for applause and not for affirmation, not so you can get a trophy from the boss or an award, is what he's saying right there in verse uh, number six. Not with eye services, men. You ain't there to please the man. 
You ain't there to, 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 to be his, his right-hand man, to be you know, his, his pet in that sense. You're not there. You're not, you're not uh, obeying and serving and, and working hard so you can get a, a credential, but you're there, be, and you're doing that because that's what, as a Christian, that's what we ought to be. He said, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Right, and once again, it goes back from the heart. In all matters of life are a matter of the heart. Right, out of the heart are the issues of life. Right, and so you can do a whole lot of things and do it a whole lot of ways, but if your heart ain't right, you're probably not going to do it right. You can accomplish things, you can do things, but if your heart is not right in it, boy, you will not enjoy it. <laughs> right, there, there's a lot of times where, where, where you would go and you just work hard because that's what God put in you to do. Right, you understand that's what I'm supposed to do, and you're not doing it, doing it to, to be seen, but you're doing it with a, a pure heart, a, a, a singleness of heart, a, and from the heart is what he's saying there in verse number six. Uh, Six, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ. In essence, there's an expectation. God expects you and I to be genuine. Right? God doesn't need any more people who just play the part. Who only, only impress the, the boss while he's around. Right? It's one of those things, you know, how do you know if someone's spiritual or not? How do you know someone who's, who's in a position? How, how, what's, what's a good telltale sign? What, who's somebody you can ask? Are they real spiritual are they the same person they are at church as, as they are outside of church? Who can I ask to find that real answer? Their children. Right? Their children. Ask them, how are they at the house? Right? Or, or go to their job site and say, hey, how are you? <laughs> I mean, this would be the same thing as me calling you every day, making sure, hey, are, are you being a good Christian today? Did you, know, did you read your Bible? <laughs> I, was, I heard a story of a, a couple that they, they, they told their pastor, when he, and this has nothing to do with the message per se of serving, but they, they said, preacher, we'd really like to give. We, uh, we're, we really want to tithe, but we're going to need you to call us and remind us every Sunday to bring our tithe in. <laughs> the preacher just stared at him like, I ain't doing that. I don't have time for that. And so if it's something you really wanted to do, you wouldn't have to be reminded to do it. No one's ever had to remind me to eat. <laughs> preacher, did you eat today? Yes. I'm fixing to do it again, amen. Notice the expectation of genuineness. Not for applause or affirmation. It comes from the heart, a singleness of heart, uh, and, and a genuine heart as, as we serve the Lord, right? So there's an expectation of obedience. There's an expectation of genuine, genuineness. Notice number three tonight, and we'll be done. You can go figure out what the name of the baby is going to be, amen. The expectation of a reward. Look at verse number eight. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, he'll get a raise for it. He'll get an award for it. His master will set him free. He said, knowing whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Right, he goes back to that language of, of bond and free. He said, whether you're working because you're drawing a paycheck or whether you're working because you are trying to pay off a debt. He's telling these, these people in, in Ephesus, whether you're one of the two, he said, that's not the goal. He says, not to earn a paycheck, nor is it to get a, a, a bond paid off. He said, but rather you do good. You work hard. You be honest. You be genuine. You be ob obedient, not because you're trying to get out of something or get something out of it, but rather because you're, you're asking and seeking a reward from the Lord. 